And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. In today's episode of the Sixers Beat, Rich and I talk about the Sixers' overtime win in Game 3, giving them a commanding three-games-to-none lead over the Toronto Raptors, and the biggest moment of Joel Embiid's career. Enjoy the podcast. All right, welcome everybody. This is Derek, joined by Rich on the Sixers Beat, a part of the Athletics Podcast Network. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing fine, man. I'm uh, I'm not doing as good as the Sixers are, but it's uh, looks like we're going to be covering another series here. It does, it does. And look, you and I both picked them, so theoretically we could pat ourselves on the back. It wasn't no. the most enthusiastic Sixers selection we've ever had. Um, there was certainly a little bit of concern coming in. Both felt like the team outclassed the Raptors, but matchups, coaching, yada, yada, yada. They're, I mean, look, teams that are up 3-0 in a series have won 143 out of 143. I'm not even going to entertain your yeah, but with Doc blowing leads because they are comfortably in control of this series. They have won each of their three games in three pretty distinct ways, which I think bodes well for their ability to close this out, and they have the best player on the planet right now pushing them through. That was a, uh, I'll tell you what, that was a game. Because they start that game off, and they look atrocious. Like, absolutely downright atrocious. Looking a little bit like 2018 Joel Embiid. I think Toronto did a marginally better job of disguising their double teams, waiting for Embiid to put the ball on the deck before they really committed. Coming from different angles, it wasn't always from the baseline. They'd sometimes dig down from the wings. They'd switch it up. Uh, Embiid was just a little bit off. Not a little bit off. He was very off in a way that he hasn't looked at all throughout the series before then. And this was just a game where you've got the energy of the crowd up in Toronto. You've got Toronto in pretty much desperation mode. You've got Embiid looking a little bit off. It wasn't just Embiid off. It was the entire team. I think they had like 15 turnovers in the first 15 minutes of the game or something absurd like that. Game starts off. Joel Embiid Bad turnover off a post-up. Second possession, I think it was James Harden with a really bad shot that had no chance of going in. Third possession was a Tyrese Maxey turnover, and you're going, oh, crap, this is the one game where they just barf all over themselves. <laughs> and for the most part, for the entire first half, I mean, look, they made their shots. that kept them in the game. They just didn't get very many shots, shots up, which is a minor drawback in this sport. But you looked up, and you're like, oh, man, they're only down <laughs> 10. There's a, you know, if they get their shit together, now the flip side of that was if they didn't get their shit together and they stopped shooting so well, they were going to get blown out of the gym, but you knew that they had a chance. And then in the third quarter, you know, they come out, Joel Embiid makes a couple jumpers. It always helps. Gets a little easy looks, diving the rim off of pick and rolls with James Harden. And they just start executing their offense. And Joel Embiid comes to life, setting the stage for probably Joel Embiid's defining moment so far in his playoff career. I would sure say so. And yeah, and before we get to Embiid's shot, I think you did a good job of describing what a a good win it was because they were so bad. 
They were horrible. They did everything wrong. I, I guess the, the rebounding wasn't quite as bad when I looked at it. They actually I believe they won the rebounding battle, believe it or not. It didn't feel like it. It was one of those games. Yeah. But but I'm looking at the turnovers right now. 25.8% yeah. of their possessions are turnovers. Yeah. And that includes, you know, overtime and stuff like when they weren't turning the ball over, they were taking bad shots. You can't win that way, except you can this night. You you can win this one game. And yeah, I thought, uh, I, honestly, I was I was a little surprised. I, I was watching inside the NBA while waiting for, for some of the press conferences to start. And Kenny Smith said, you know, it just shows that the Sixers can win games when they play poorly. And I think that was the right takeaway. They were really bad in a lot of ways. And Bede was... Yeah, like you said, I think the Raptors were a little bit better in their disguise on their double teams, but he just did a terrible job. Like he yeah. just, you know, it should have taken one possession for him to realize that they were they were waiting a second longer, and he should have invited those double teams and been spraying the ball around for threes. Didn't happen. He scored five points in the first half, and uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know how they they hung around. You're right; they they made shots. Like they either turned the ball over. Or it was a great possession where they got an open three and they made a lot yeah. of them. Yep, yep. It was weird. Like the pretty good hardened first half. Honestly, yep. they're uh, not not crazy stupid efficiency, but you know I think he had something like fourteen and, and five assists in the first half. If he lays a complete egg like we've seen him do sometimes, they lose that game. I, yeah, I just thought their overall ball movement w- was pretty good. When they didn't turn the ball over, and yeah, they they made three. So it was a classic. How are they down ten? How? What yeah. is going on? Yep. Um, and then, so for Joel, I not only the shot. That was one of the worst first halves I've ever seen. I've seen him play this year. Not I've ever. I've seen him have worse halves than that. To rebound from that half, in that building, against that team, and to do that, eighteen points in the third quarter. Unbelievable game-winning shot in overtime. That's All being you know, serenaded like, with fucking bead chance. Those fans who were in his head. Yep. Chans are there. The the fans are chanting fucking bead. Drake is yelling at you that he owns you. All of those things to overcome that. And yeah, Toronto's not as good as they used to be. They don't have Kawhi Leonard anymore. He said after the game that he's focused on more than the first round. And I think I believe him with that too. Uh, I think that's the right approach and I believe him. But for the first round, that's about as good of a moment as you can have. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a lot of talk about this, you know, I sort of wrote in my article this morning, you can't have a career defining moment in the first round of the playoffs. It's just, there's never going to be a game three of the first round that people are going to think back and think, well, that's one of the greatest plays in NBA history. Like as great as that shot was from Embiid, (laughs) And of course, we're talking about the turnaround that he made with under a second left. Um, incredible shot. It's never going to be remembered as like the Jordan push off. It's just not going to happen. That's not how these work. But it is something where you can start building a playoff legacy if you then parlay that into bigger and bigger moments. Um, it will certainly be part of the conversation. And it was one of those games where it did seem like everything was going wrong. If there was going to be a game, you know, it's one of those games where if they would have lost, and I think a couple of years ago, Joel Embiid probably comes out in the third quarter, forces things, doesn't get back on track. They probably sit him for most of the fourth quarter uh, and move on to game four. If that would have happened, you go, all right, look, they're still up two to one with one game in Toronto to try to steal. Um, I don't think Toronto can match that energy for another three times to win the series, but it could be a little bit, they could be a little peskier going on out. 
And for him to come back out, like you said, in that hostile environment against a coach that has, has had a lot of success against him. That coach. Yeah, I forgot to say that. That, that, that fucking coach. coach. The, the one yeah. who held him scoreless um, earlier in his career. And by earlier in his career, that was like last year, right? Like that wasn't that long ago. Uh, or was it two years ago? They all blend together. It was a real good bounce back. And I think he, you know, like I said, I think a couple of the jumpers that he made got him going. I think a couple of the rolls to the rim um, as they were playing James Harden more aggressively, maybe uh, off that pick and roll. They were oddly extending out. Um, you know, I think for the most part in the first half, when James Harden got going as a scorer, they backed off and let him try to beat them one-on-one. And he had some success doing that, but they weren't sending help from the corners like they were. Yep. In the pick and roll, they were a little more aggressive, bringing the big up, uh, and that allowed Embiid to roll behind him, got him some easy buckets. But Joel Embiid gathered himself in a way that we haven't always seen before, especially in the playoffs. Um, and I think it is part of his maturation. You know, I think it was a real good team performance as well. Uh, I think there's a lot of people that we have to get to outside of Joel Embiid. But it certainly was a, a game where a couple years ago, I don't think they win that. It It still would have been too... You know, when they got into that slugfest at the end of the fourth quarter, because I believe, am I right that they did not have a lead until overtime? I believe you're correct. Yeah. Yeah. They just kept getting to one point, two points. Danny Green misses a layup to take a lead. They they hit a three on the other end. Danny Green hits one on the other end. They just, they were on the seesaw and just could not get over that hump of the game being tied. When that game was a rock fight and there were some good shots, there were some bad possessions, it it still felt like, man, if the Sixers lose this game, they're going to be kicking themselves for two days. And I think it really would have sucked for them considering they played so poorly and they still had a really good chance to win. There was no guarantee it would have happened. I mean, and they got, you know, they got a little bit lucky with Precious Achua missing his free throws, OG missing that last free throw, which, man, that, uh, that took a a ride around the rim that finally the Sixers get a good (laughs) bounce. By the way, what do you think of this? Do you think it was smart for the Sixers to go at the, you know, they get to elect where they start the game, what baskets they shoot at. I think it was very smart of them to shoot at the Kawhi basket going in the second half. I think that was good coaching or front officing. What, whoever came up with that good job, Um, but it would have been a game. They would have kicked themselves. and, And I think they would have won game four after that because they would have been so mad with how they played. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just, what, what a gut punch for Toronto. Yeah. You know, they, I mean, those, those two free throws by precious and look, he's improved tremendously here this year. Those true to, well, I think it was a tie game at the end of regulation, maybe under 30 seconds left to miss both of those free throws, which really good for the Sixers. Cause the, the um, shot they got at the end was pretty much dog shit. Oh, I, we'll, we'll go to that before we go to any other players. What did you think of their end of regulation possession? Where basically it was Embiid with a step back three with, I think there was still about five seconds left on the shot clock. So when they do something like that, something completely unimaginative that has a very low chance of happening, I'm thinking, oh, they're just going to try to run the clock down as far as they can to make sure that Toronto doesn't get a second look. Well, they ended up shooting the ball with five seconds left on the shot clock and still probably about seven or eight seconds left on the game clock which almost worked out in their favor because they almost got, the, or Tobias did get the offensive rebound and miss a putback. But it, I thought it didn't really accomplish any of their objectives, quite frankly. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I I actually tweeted that before the, the final play. I was wondering, you know, with a, what was it, like a, a two-second differential or three-second yeah. differential between the shot and game clock on that one? I think it was three. I think the the final, the overtime play was a little different. It was a little, little less. I was wondering, you know, I tweeted out, 
All right, how much clock are they going to wind here? Because I've seen the Sixers enough times where people get inordinate. I can't say inordinate. I can't say it. <laughs> Two podcasts in a row. I can't. You I can't just got to cut this word out of your podcasting vocabulary. People, <laughs> I, okay, but watch me screw it up next time too. People put a lot of attention <laughs> on the final place. They do. <laughs> uh, they do. Like the the execution on the final plays, it's almost like Doc could call a great game for 47 minutes. And if the last play is dog shit, it's oh, like, what, yeah. what good is this guy for? You know, I also think people's expectations are a little bit too high on those final plays. Defense is super locked in. Refs are going to let a lot of stuff go. By the way, they let a lot of stuff go on the Sixers final play, too. <laughs> You're talking Tobias about Tobias's with- veteran offensive foul? Oh, man, that was like... Uh, <laughs> He was like a pulling guard on that. <laughs> yeah, to, he uh, was. Great screen, honestly, though. But you know what? That's honestly, the way you got to go. I, I joke. It's a good veteran move because you know they're not going to call that. They're not going to call it. That's Especially like Tobias and did a thing where he kind of like faked like he tripped a little bit and it wasn't intentional. And, <laughs> it, was yeah, it was great. It was fine. It was a good joke. It was awesome. It was and it's not even like, look, if that happened to the Sixers, I would have been like, yeah, it's like, look, I, I've watched Kevin Garnett my whole life not get yeah, called on those, on those screens. So- I don't think it's quite as easy as some people think to get an awesome, awesome shot. And especially in a tie game like that, your goal isn't just to get a good shot. It's to not turn the ball over. Remember a couple of years back, what was that against the Celtics, Celtics. I think, when they they turned the ball over in that one of those situations? They ran the Redick two-man game and they turned it over and gave an easy bucket the other way. Bailed them out, but I mean, it was a disaster. Oh, that was a confetti game. Yeah. Oh man, good times. Not really, but- uh, you don't want to turn the ball over. You want to take the shot with as little time left to give the opponent another chance. Uh, it's not just about getting a 45% look instead of a 35% look. There's other objectives. My thing was they just didn't really accomplish any of them. It was very strange. And, and it's clear, though, that it, the reason I tweeted that out was it's clear that Doc is very dead set on we're getting the last shot. We're not going to run anything good. We're going to have Joel take a difficult shot, but we're going to have him take it with, you know, a second or two left on the shot clock. Maybe we get an offensive rebound, but we'll go to overtime if not. And you're right. It didn't accomplish anything. So I I think moving forward, honestly, if they're in that situation with the three second differential, if it's like a one or a two differential, but, but like if it's anything more than that, just run a play, just, just try and run a play. Have Embiid be more proactive. Yeah, Yeah. it's probably going to be an Embiid ISO, but get it a little bit closer to the basket. Okay, the other team's going to get another chance. Such is life. I I don't want to watch Embiid dribbling the ball and taking, you know, a step back 27 footer. By the way, that is in a vacuum a complete dog shit shot that he took. But as you pointed out in your article, he makes them at like, uh, what, 40% clip? 40% clip. Not only does he make it at a 40% clip, that shot was just short. Like, that was not a weird shot for him. He was very comfortable doing it. His skill level is outrageous. Out-fucking-rageous. He almost, like, he really almost made that. And it's an example of, oh, man, I'm just a little bit short, but I got the footwork completely right. There was, nobody was even coming close to bothering that shot. So that was my thought on that play. I, I will say, like, and a lot of people were mad at him because he missed what I didn't think was like a particularly easy shot. He he had to throw it up really quickly. You're talking about Tobias he, now. He had two guys over him. I thought Tobias, that is the exact example of why 
he has been so good in this series where this guy who was this hold the ball ISO scorer does little things like like dirty work. And for him to get that rebound and get that shot up, yeah, he missed it, but he ensured Toronto couldn't call timeout and get the ball for a chance to win. That was a huge play by him. So that was my general thought on it. And then, so then in the second overtime, let's let's just go to that one now. Doc goes no timeout. And again, you know, he's got like a couple second differential. Again, he goes ISO for Embiid. And it's Embiid like holding the ball lazily at his hip. Yeah. And it's just like, man, I don't know what they're doing. Joe starts, I don't know what he was looking at, the scoreboard or the bench or whatever. Of course, he's like lazily doing that. And Achua, of course, knocks the ball away from him. It's just like, it was so bad. And then Doc, you know, Doc makes a joke about Danny turning back the clock in game two. Well, man, I've never seen Doc move that quickly, getting out well beyond half court to get that timeout. Started calling it with like three or four seconds left and finally got it real late there. But yeah, Doc was on the move, man. Good on him. Good effort. Good effort. I mean, good effort. You're joking about that with with him turning back the clock with his quickness. He hasn't hasn't moved that quickly since his Boston days. No, no way. I would say like his Atlanta playing days. days, Honestly, he's probably (laughs) moving slower with the Knicks. He's just fouling people on on that team. Uh, And I will say we could joke about him moving at all times. Amazing timeout. Really? Absolutely. Absolutely. And then he came out and like as much as we might have complained about the end of regulation, that was a pretty well-drawn play there with a very limited amount of time left. Got the ball into Embiid, freed him open, and he, had, like you said, he came up just short on the previous one. Uh, and this one was a little higher degree of difficulty because it was a turnaround, but like he can make that shot. We've seen it. Um, pretty good play draw with uh, not many options left in the playbook. And the combination of that timeout and then a the play call, it was a real incredible moment. I forget who tweeted out the stat. The doc is, uh, I think he was second in the NBA this year out of timeouts, which just shot quality the Sixers were right. getting. And I think, I think that fluctuates from year to year. So it's not like it fluctuates. Uh, and if you look at the, the like, a, it's not like a shot quality over like your baseline. Like the teams with the best shot quality tend to be the teams with the best players. Sure. But certainly, like I think their out of timeout play has been pretty good. I hear all the time about how bad he is out of time. He's not as good as Brett out of timeouts. I, I don't know if he's better than Brett out of timeouts. I just know that Doc does not suck out of timeouts, no, which is I, why... I would say both staffs were... That was one of their strengths. Which is why I don't understand why you don't call a play. You're pretty good at drawing plays. So when you finally have to do one in those final seconds, he gets Joe that look and it's a... Uh, look, that's a great moment, man. It's just an awesome moment and it's it's fitting for his season... That, that he would have such a great moment uh, in the playoffs. And yeah, I, I don't really have anything else to say, except it was just, it was awesome. Like I, I'm, I'm very happy for him. Like that is a very well-deserved moment. And for somebody who has really struggled in the playoffs throughout his career, that's been the big knock. Still got to get past the second round, still got to keep going. But like to be clutched down the stretch of that game is, is awesome. Yeah. And look, of the... You know, this would be the, what, fourth series they've won in the Joel Embiid era. Of those four series, I think this will be the toughest opponent they've faced. Again, of the of the teams that they've beat. So, uh, like, is it a first-round playoff win? Yeah, but it's also probably their best playoff win. Uh, yep. I think, I guess maybe you can make a case for Miami way back, but I think no. this team has more talent than Miami. Well, and also Joel's degree of difficulty is higher, too, because he's the unquestioned best guy on the team now. Now, obviously— Well, he wasn't even in there for the first two games. He wasn't he had in a broken there, yeah, face. I guess the degree of difficulty might have been higher back then because yeah. he was just tossing that mask off. 
Justice Winslow stomping on it. Do I remember he kept tossing the mask off and and Brett had to like yeah. he was running like Doc on that timeout <laughs> yeah. on the floor. No, Joe, you have to wear this. You actually do, you do have to wear this. So uh yeah, but he's obviously a, a much better and more refined and polished player. Yeah, it's look, for this team by the way, if they can get that final game because again, deflating loss for Toronto clean the turnovers up in game four. And I think you have a really good chance of ending it in Toronto Yep, for this team to have what three or four days off. Probably we'll, we'll see how long this Miami Atlanta series goes. Looks like Miami's pretty comfortably in control there. Um, if Trey young doesn't start playing better and start taking care of the ball a little more, I think that's going to be a quick series too, but to just to do this in the minimum amount of games is a huge, huge. deal. Yep. Because guess, remember the last series when they had a week off? I'm not sure they're going to have that uh, that amount of time. They came out like gangbusters. I think them with a little bit of a long layoff is a good thing. Yeah. I think this team has generally showed that. So I agree. It's a big deal. So good chance to uh, attend the series, which they, they have total control of at this point. Yep. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And a series where, again, we both thought it could go longer. Um, That would be huge. And I do think that was a very deflating loss for Toronto. Uh, I think the Sixers have a real chance here to close it out in game four. If not, it would really surprise me if it went beyond game five. But then again. Shit happens. Um, I guess before we get into any kind of hardened talk, we really like the only the only time we talked about Tobias Harris so far in his podcast was when he missed, you know, his 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 hook shot there um, off the offense rebound when he played a fantastic. Really, this is the best playoff series, the best three playoff games maybe I've seen Tobias Harris play. And for as much credit as he got earlier in the series with his offense. That was one hell of a defensive performance. Like maybe the defensive performance of Tobias Harris's life on Pascal Siakam, even on a couple of switches. Um, he obviously had a big strip there. He had a couple of really good defensive possessions against Siakam. Um, he is playing his ass off. And it is honestly, this is a matchup where he could have some problems with. He's shorter, less athletic. He's been fantastic. When's the last time Tobias scored 11 points and you saying his praises no i look if he plays like this more often like all right look he's not gonna be worth the money but like i will i will he will fit into his role very well if he's making these quick shots um if he's attacking off the bounce he had a couple of you know the sort of like carmelo light possessions but when he's doing everything else well including locking up pascal siakam defensively he's yeah he's playing very well he's playing very well don't don't want to look too far ahead but uh He's going to get Jimmy next series, I think, if uh, if this keeps going. And if he if he plays like this, they got a shot. 
you know, Jimmy's playing great, but Jimmy's also playing against one of the most pathetic defensive teams I've ever <laughs> seen. Which again, the Sixers lost to that team somehow last. It's unbelievable. Uh, sorry, I'm not gonna not gonna I'm harp not gonna on that. But yeah, that. Nope. his uh, yeah, it, it's unbelievable. It's it's the opposite of what we have seen from Tobias throughout his career, where it's just all defense and dirty work plays. And you know, he scored 11 points, but a couple of those buckets. Normally, when it's like Tobias is scoring. It's early in the game. It's all right. Let's get him. Let's get him cooking. Is he making a couple threes? Can we, you know, maybe we'll run an ISO for him. Can we, can we get him going in the, the right way? So he stays engaged because we know Embiid is going to get his points as the game goes along. He doesn't always have to start out um, on fire. No, these were key drives at the end of the game when, you know, they were in semi transition. He's getting tough buckets, pulled down 12 boards in that game. That, uh, by the way, that steal on Gary Trent, too. You see it as somebody who's guarding Siakam, and Siakam, what's Siakam shoot? Six of 16 for 12, 12 points. A lot of Embiid on him, too. Yep. But you see Gary Trent, when Tobias gets Gary Trent switch, he's like, I'm locking up Pascal Siakam. I can lock up you. And he just rips the ball yeah. from him. It's yeah. probably the, it's probably the never... fourth time he's done that this <laughs> yeah. series where it's not Trent. He's getting steals where, you know, a lot of times he gets a little handsy sometimes and it's, it's, frustrating when he's in good position defensively he's had a couple where he's not handsy he's just straight up ripping the ball from these guys and it's i don't know it's it's awesome to see and then of course he sets the amazing moving screen at the end of the game so yeah i you know it was always a question of was tobias going to accept his role as the fourth guy as the more of the defense first player he's played that as well he's played that beyond my wildest dreams not him, only would he him, accept him, it, him but game. could he even excel in it? Like he's never been like yeah. a quick twitch guy. He's never been a really quick lateral guy. Um, he's making some steals now where it's like, I I didn't even think he had this in him. Even if he devoted himself, I didn't think he had this in him. Yeah. He's playing he's playing really well. Really, and look, I will always be a little bit of a Tobias doubter. I want to see how he reacts when he misses little bit. five or six threes in a row. But I can't take away anything from the way he's playing defense right now. Uh, it. it Blows my mind. Really did. Really did. Harden. We talked a little bit earlier about how they were defending him a little bit differently. They did seem like they were okay with him being a scorer, especially in isolation. He's, I mean, he got a beat on Fred Van Vliet a bunch of times. Uh, He got past uh, Thad Young a couple times. I can't 100% tell if James is looking quicker on his first step or Fred Van Vliet is just so hobbled by that injury because Fred's a pretty good defender like he can move laterally at his best his problem is he's so short that if you do get him on your side he can't really impact the shot mm-hmm. i think fred van vliet is probably not 100 percent laterally and that's making james harden look a little quicker but i also think harden might be a little bit quicker and in this matchup if he can get that step on van vliet like i said he has a good chance to to score uh, he ended up with what 19 points on seven for thir- for 13 shooting to go along with 10 assists outside of all right, his defense was bad. And this was a fir- maybe the first game in the series where I just thought his defense was James Harden levels bad. Uh, <laughs> and some that last foul was just not smart. And they really like there was, it was a bad. Was, that was his best defensive possession of the night until the foul. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was shot clock was running out. You had a bead behind you. You have five fouls. It was just a really bad decision. And they could have really used him there in overtime. I thought at times, you know, we at time for as well as Tyrese Maxey has played this series, I think you saw some of the limitations of him as a lead point guard uh, at times throughout the game. But James Harden 
certainly if you were looking for signs of James Harden being a capable scorer when he has to be, I don't think it's going to be a night in, night out, 25 point per game guy, but when you need him to sort of like boost an offense, he still has that in him occasionally. And it might need to be the right matchup. It might need to be the right number of days off in a week, but it looked better. Better. He was good offensively. Shot five of nine on twos, made him a little bit more of a scorer. And you saw, I mean, we, we talked about it. If you do make him more of a scorer and you sell out to do that, well, you know, then those layups become a little bit easier. There's a little bit of give and take there where, yeah, Harden looks slow when they're sending three guys at him every time. He can't finish over all of them. So so there is a little bit of a, of a drawback to that. And you saw him play better. And, you know, he was the only guy who really, you know, he had three turnovers, but 10 assists to three turnovers is, is, a, is a good game for him. And, yeah, he kept them afloat. In the uh, in the first half, I also thought too, even though his defense was bad, him fouling out was a, a little fluky because you know there were a couple fouls where that last one wasn't smart. There was another one where he, frankly, he would have taken the charge on Anunoby if he didn't just put his foot back at the end of it. He, uh, you know, the one I'm talking about where his foot was in the in the charge circle. Yeah. He was there. He just brought his foot back at the last second, yep. so it was hanging over the. Oh, look, James Harden uh, does not area. take very many charges. He's a little bit uneasy with the uh, the whole mechanics of it, but yeah. And it was, I mean, again, he was uneasy with that one, but that would have been a charge. And you know, be need him in the chest. So uh, yeah, good game for him. A L- little bit under the radar of a of a good offensive game for him, and also I, I do think moving forward in this uh, moving forward just in this next game. If the Raptors are going to play this slightly more aggressive pick and roll defense on him, they need to spam them with Embiid Harden pick and rolls because, you know, he got two in particular, the huge dunk for Embiid in the second half. And then he got an N1 where Harden lobbed it over the top. You get the the Sixers run the play where they get Maxi's guy to screen for Harden. He gets the easier switch. So it's like, it's like Trent. Then you run the pick and roll. So Trent, when they switch is on Embiid. That's easy money. That's something they probably yep. should go to more. And earlier in the series, they were doing that uh, a lot with Fred Van Vliet being the the, the switch. Uh, and then the Raptors would, were not willing to switch that, put them into a drop, allow James Harden to sort of cook as a passer. Um, yeah, I think I think th- th- those two, the Embiid Harden pick and roll, and also the Embiid Maxi pick and roll, part of the reason why the Sixers should be able to wrap this up, they just have more that they can go to and rely upon. Yeah, and I guess that's the next place we should go to. Defense down the stretch was very good. Very good. Yep. Was Toronto's offense pretty bad, pretty predictable? Sure. Yeah. That, Especially by the way, when Pascal's struggling and he's not getting into the middle like they need him to, and those kickout passes aren't there. Like Toronto shot pretty well from three, I think close to 40%. Siak yeah. ended up with four assists. They need him creating way more of their offense if they're going to be able to beat this team. Which again goes to like Tobias Harris. Like if, Joel Embiid didn't make the shot of his life. Tobias Harris would be getting a lot more credit today, and deservedly so. Wonder, I'm trying to look it up. Sixers have to be shooting an insane percentage in this uh, in this series. Well, I think they, I think they've been over 40 percent all three games, haven't they? Yeah, they have. And I, you know, we said it after the first game. If they continue now, I think last night was, I don't want to say luckier, but their shots were a little harder. Yeah. I would say. I don't know. Maybe it was just. Toronto's weird where they either they either force a turnover or you get a great shot. So it's 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 kind of a weird team in that regard where yeah, the Sixers weren't playing well, but on the possessions they did play well. It's like, all right, George <laughs> Niang is wide open from the top of the key. That's 
pretty good shot for them. I think they're going to be okay. Uh, they are shooting 46% from three. Well, you're going to win some games when you do that. Uh, yeah, but, you know, hey, we saw it last night. That's why Toronto has, I don't know, what, like the 27th ranked half-court offense in the NBA? Yeah. Not that creative. You know, it's a lot of just dribble-weave, five-out stuff where it's Siakam attacking. And when you have Embiid on Siakam and Harris doing a good job on him as well, they become super predictable. And then it turns into... You know, Fred can get a shot, but they're tough shots. You know, there's yep. and he there's a reason he's night. a yep. there's a reason he's a sub all star, and also he's hurt too. So that's it's probably the other part of this. The uh, yeah, the defense was was good, and that you know it's just good to see. I, I don't think the Sixers are going to win with defense a lot in the coming rounds here, but on a night when their offense was subpar because of all the turnovers, to get one win where your defense kind of bails you out is uh, it's good to see. It's funny, you look at it, they had a 60% effective field goal percentage, and you're saying their offense was subpar. And you're 100% right, turn because the ball they over turned the time. ball over a million times. Um, Sixers had an effective field goal percentage of 60.1%, Toronto 51.7%, yet it was a one-possession game, and that is like that is sort of the style of play that I think we all expected coming into the series. Toronto is going to get destroyed if you just look at their shooting percentages and the half-court scoring. But if they can get enough extra possessions and they had 12 more shots at the rim last night with pretty much the same amount of turnovers and threes, if they can get enough extra possessions from turnovers and offensive rebounds, they have a chance. Sort of how it played out, but the Sixers had Joel Embiid and Toronto didn't. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f***ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. What else? Maxi? Um, not his strongest game. You know, like not I said, I, I think at times you saw his one real, real weakness offensively, um, which is the passing. He had a couple of entry passes to Embiid that were Ugh. just not executed well at all. Oh, the one by the three point yeah. line where Embiid was, he was rolling and Ma- Maxi waited a second. He saw him rolling and still threw yeah. it to where Embiid was at the. That was a bad pick six, man. That <laughs> it was, was tough. It was bad. Um, you know, he also had some highlights like that. He had a, his, I think his only three made three of the game. He had a deep, deep, deep three that was like, we're not even like, there's no, there's no 
two for one here. There's no shot clock running down. He just like, fuck it. I'm yeah. pulling from 27 with two people on me and the thing went in. It's like, I that wasn't, that wasn't an easy Toronto Raptors three pointer giving up. That no, was, whew, that was healthy. <laughs> um, and you know, he has some incredible plays at the basket and all that stuff. I um, mean, up and down, but you know, I still love what I'm seeing from him. Yeah. And it's, you know, for, for a down game for him, you know, 19 18 points. shots, yeah. 19 shots on 19 shooting possessions. You know, he's only one of five for three. If that's going to be his horrible game, okay, yeah. I think you can live with that. 100%. 100%. He also, uh, that, uh, one of those plays when he shot the, he had, he had a couple big floaters, or not even floaters, just, you know, kind of right in front of the rim, high bankers off the glass. I wouldn't even call that a floater. It, it was kind of a layup distance, um, where he had good touch on it. And then the one that he missed, he got an unbelievable tip in, like just crazy athletic play for a yep. guy who's 6'2. To, to miss his shot and it comes yeah. off on the other side of the basket yep. and he still beat a very athletic team, like three of those guys to the ball. So that was uh, that was good to see. Yeah, I, I did think, though, Embiid and, and Maxi they, they really went to that pick and roll down the stretch during crunch time and eh, didn't look all that good. No. It was, again, locked in, good defense they were playing against, but certainly some room for improvement there. But hey, room for improvement while you're winning games, that's that's cool too. Yep, 100%. Uh, last one, last individual player we'll touch on, Mr. B-Ball himself. Yeah, you know, it, honestly, my, minus five, I didn't think he was terrible. No, he. I, so the, the his first stint in the second quarter started off bad, but they corrected it pretty quickly. Uh, the and one it, was, it the, wasn't his fault. They were making threes. And... Yeah, there were probably one or two rotations he could have been better on. He also had a couple of highlights, and that's sort of like what we talked about in the last podcast. Like that one, I think it was... Was it a, a Trent Jr. Achua pick and roll? Or maybe yeah. what might have been a Flynn pick and I don't remember, but there yeah, was a pick and roll. Picked his pocket and Well, he there there was one where he sort of like showed out on the pick and roll, recovered back, blocked Achua at the rim, and then a couple possessions later he got that strip for the the leak out. Uh look, he makes mistakes, hundred percent. Had a crazy drive to the basket that was an offensive foul. You'd love to see him rein that in a little bit. But he also made plays and some the, like the specifically that block and that steal were plays that he's the only backup center on the roster that has a chance of making. And it, I, he's got to play through it. And you know what? He's got to play through it in the next series too. And I think that's might be the one that might test doc because that will be a tougher test for the Sixers. And I think doc might panic a little more when it comes a little uh, tighter of an affair. He needs to be the backup center from here on out. It's just, and I'm saying this after probably his worst performance of the three games. He needs to be the backup center from here on out. Period. End of story. In every single game. So, do you think Miami qualifies as a big team? No. Do, I'm saying in Doc size. Do you think they qualify as a big? Team? Well, they have guys over six nine, so maybe. I think Deadman is their backup center. Fine. That's what I mean. It's Deadman. Wait. Well, what's he going to do? If 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 Dwayne Deadman's putting him in foul trouble, like. No, he's not. By the way, Deadman's not like a crazy uh, athlete, no, offensive rebounder like, type. If, he's a he's a shooter, honestly. If Bebo Paul ever gets in foul trouble, it's because he's over aggressive in his rotations or on offensive fouls. It's not going to be some big Dwayne Deadman putting him under the basket. That's not what's going to happen here. Yeah. So yeah, Bebo Paul was good. I, I would just say overall, too, not a uh, you know Danny Green missed some some open threes. Niang. Yeah. Made his open three, oh, so that was good. He missed some open one-footers, too. That's true. But just one. The uh, I'll tell you what. Nyang making those threes early, I think, was pretty big. Uh, and what did he end up? Three for four from three. Uh, 
they needed those points because I think they came at, at periods where they were pretty pretty stagnant. Yeah, he he just made a couple of really big shots, keep them afloat. One other funny note about B-Ball Paul was he got a nice baseline pass from Harden. And instead of just shooting the dunk on the same side, yeah. which would have been a dunk, he decided to reverse it, which is it's kind of like the Remember the when he did that earlier in the year? And like he just he didn't he didn't have the 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 hang time for it at all. Like he came up like a couple of feet short. I don't remember that. Oh, it, I'll have to, I'll try to find it. I'll try to find it. What I do remember is when he was open in the kind of you know he had a breakaway dunk and he decided to do a fancy yeah. under the rim dunk. Yeah, and it didn't work and it was the funniest thing I've ever seen. And yeah, I think he I think just, we he, asked him afterwards. Like I thought I had it right up until the end, and it was like <laughs> you weren't even close, buddy. <laughs> well, and then it's funny too. On the I think it was only it might have been the next possession or a couple possessions later. Harden throws him the ball and he's he starts on that left side where he's basically standing under the rim. And B-Ball Ball is really good at dunking, just not even looking at the rim over his head, reverse jam in traffic. He's better at that. Like DeAndre Jordan is really good at one-handed lobs, and B-Ball Paul is not looking at the basket. He's got those uh those down. I agree with you though. He needs to uh he needs to play in the next series. All right. So Closing out the pod, what do you think the odds are that they close it out here in uh, in Toronto? I think it's higher than most people, probably. I think a lot of people would say, okay, the Raptors are going to play really hard. They might get Scotty Barnes back, although, poor guy, I, I don't know how well he's going to be moving with that with that ankle in that game. That was, that was pretty nasty. What happened to him? Um, I, I'm thinking like 70 Seventy-five percent. That's deflating loss, man. And I think for the Sixers, you just you look at that and say, "All right, we we cannot screw around like that again." That is ridiculous how we played for most of that game. And I, you know, the Sixers. I don't think we've. I don't think in Embiid's career they've ever gotten a sweep, right? No, uh, it's usually Brooklyn, five. Games. Brooklyn, they blew that first game. Uh, they, Miami, they Miami, lost they the lost. second game. Yep. Uh, Washington, but, they lost the fourth game. Yeah. And, no, no it was the only so. three series they won. They got swept, but they were never the sweeper. They did get they did get swept in the yeah. bubble. I don't know. I think it's you should probably close these guys out with with how deflating of a loss that was. You have all the incentive in the world. Frankly, like it has been proven, you know, I would say our predictions of of six and seven games, tight series, we were correctly incorrect. <laughs> sure. Is how I would say. I, I, I like that uh, that characterization better than some of the ones the listeners are probably coming up with. But yeah, they're they're just a better team, so they take care of the the execution shit. We'll see. I, you worried at all about Embiid's wrist? That was yeah. Uh, he uh, ever since that it, it was a dunk, right? Um, the one dunk yeah. off of the one of the Harden pick and rolls, I think, right? Uh, maybe I'm misremembering a play, but yeah, he he was flexing it and grabbing it pretty much throughout. Yeah, no, it didn't look like it healed. And look, he obviously was good enough to make an incredible shot, but you always worry about how it's going to react with a day off or not. Um, yeah. He's playing great. He's playing great, but man, he's getting, you know, he's Every not having play. the, he's not having the major injury, but man, he's getting the bumps and bruises. L- last game, he twisted his ankle and, you know, was hobbling for a little and bit. The elbow. That, you know, Matisse and Siakam run into his elbow and 
Yeah, I'm, I'm worried. But uh, going back to the initial question, I do, if I had to guess, I would still probably give it a gentleman's sweep. Just when you have a team that's well coached and that you know is going to give effort in our home floor, I'd give the Sixers a 40% chance of closing it out in four. Certainly a chance. But if I had to pick a side, I'd probably still go Sixers in five. But they certainly have a chance. I mean... I'm going Toronto or I'm going Sixers. Sorry. I, I, I think they're going to close yeah. it out. Yeah. I mean, it, it could be, it could be. It is, it is true though. Like Washington was the worst team I've ever seen in the playoffs in my life yeah. last year in the playoffs. And the Sixers still lost that yeah. fourth game. Sweeping Although a MB, team is hard. MB did get hurt. Sweeping a team is hard, but they did win three games. You know, what's even harder than sweeping a team. It's coming back from a three O deficit. So yes, yes. One forty three and O. All right. Sixers uh, are in a pretty good spot there. They're in a good spot. They're in a much better spot than I ever would have predicted. Like you said, get them to close it out early. Get a couple days off. Get some rest for, for the hamstring and Embiid's 45 different ailments. Uh, and go play Jimmy Butler in the Miami Heat. Sounds good to me. All right. Thank you, Rich, for jumping on. And we will talk to you soon. See you, man. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.